Baby, you want you want to know about spicy, honey? White pepper. <laughs> oh, that's too much. Uh, salt. Oh, paprika. Ooh, that's spicy. Um, what about that? Is so loud. I don't Nothing know. looks loud. <laughs> a little Perfect. bit better, yeah. Still get a little bit of the 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 cackle. The reverb. Yeah, and now it sounds a little loud again. Yeah, but it's not going to be like. <laughs> yeah, okay, it it's going to do that. <laughs> No. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just preparing for when you inevitably yell into the microphone. <laughs> I'm always calm and collected. Okay. <laughs> sure, bitch. Sure. Calm and collected. Call me now. Call me now. Come on, Miss Cleo. Um, oh, no. That's the only thing that she did that wasn't good. Th- it was good. It was iconic. Oh. <laughs> what, you, you no. suddenly like misdemeanor? The iconic thing was, I don't know, but I get bullied a lot, so I just said, hey, how? <laughs> I don't know, I get bullied a lot, and my hair just keeps falling out, so I just, well, hell. <laughs> just pulls it out. I can't believe that she just, like, had that ready to go. That was iconic. You miss your mother? Smell my goddamn fingers. <laughs> you miss your mother? Smell my goddamn fingers. God, that's perfect. I would like to perform for you. No, this is, will be my final number. Thank you. <laughs> Just thanks on the table. I love that. LOL. That was a very good snatch game. Very good. A whole good season. That, yeah, that's also true. Now we're going to get ready for Drag Race Holland. Holland. We have to brush up on our Dutch. Which I'm also uh, having some wonders. World like, of wonders? Hey. Me and Thomas discussed it earlier. Thomas brought it up. He thought he was asking if there would be a pit stop for Drag Race Holland. I don't think there will be. Why? I don't think drag queens are invested in reading. That's true. Well, besides to, reading each other. To read words on the bottom of well, the screen. Well, I mean, if they're getting paid by RuPaul to do the pit stop, then they're still going to take that money and do it. They may not be getting paid. Then why are they doing it? Some of these queens that are doing it don't need the extra publicity. Exactly. Well, I don't know. I said don't need. You know what I was watching today <clears throat> that I love? What? Uh, did you ever watch Bob and Peppermint talking about season Oh, 12? my God. The, the fashion. It's fashion. It's fashion. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. It's so loud. <laughs> Wait. No. But is it fashion? It's fashion. It's fashion. It's fashion. Uh, but it's, it's fashion. Okay. But is it it's fashion? fashion? It's, it's fashion. It's fashion. <laughs> So silly. <laughs> yes, I love that iconic moment. <laughs> and then also whenever <laughs> whenever Peppermint and Bob, I think we're doing a live together. And uh Oh Peppermint was like, Did did you see that article? And she's like and Bob was just like on her phone or whatever, she's like, Oh yeah, the fracking and Peppermint's like, oh, oh. No, <laughs> don't do that. And then Bob's like, oh. I love the from side to side. <laughs> like she, well, uh, she like dove like she was trying to get out of the camera. I was like, girl, it's already on live. Like, where are you fucking going to go? <laughs> I don't they are good together. I love they it. are. Well, really, anybody's good with Bob. Yeah. Bob. Bob draws it, it out of everyone. <laughs> She'll make that happen. She'll make that what? Happen. Uh, yes. Uh, also, this is our spoopy podcast, not our rupee podcast. But yes, that's true. Regardless, we love to talk about our drag queens anyways. Our sisters. Our sisters from who our rupee podcast. Yeah. Sisters who are sometimes misters. Who um, are always misters. Well, most eh. of the time misters. Me- so, yeah, sometimes. I mean, most of the time. Not when I take a bath. 
Because that's just like me time, you know, to put on a mask. Does it make you not a mister or a sister? Alien. A- alien. 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 Alien actress. <laughs> alien actress. Alien. 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 I hear the, I hear the same, same thing. thing. <laughs> Wait, Bobo. Higher. Sounds like, um, you know, like those uh, birthday things that unfurl. <laughs> oh, that. <laughs> yes. I want one of those. For my birthday next year, can you get me some? Sure. Sure. As if I'm going to have a birthday party next year. (laughs) LOL. I don't want to tell you what's going to happen in January of next year. I'm going to die. I've been looking in my crystal ball and... Oh boy. Call me now. Mm -hmm. (laughs) For $3.99 a minute, I can tell you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You're going to get bangs. So no more birthdays. Um, How many times? Multiple. Oh my God. I cannot wait to get bangs multiple times. (laughs) Bangs. Like... Over the forehead oh, bangs. Oh, hair Not, bangs. Yes. <laughs> the fuck? I thought you were predicting that I was going to finally have intercourse. <laughs> I don't know why I stuttered on that. Well, intercourse. Because <laughs> crystal balls does not happen anymore. It's like, You're so done. You better be afraid. Unless you cl- <laughs> climb under pickup trucks again. Mm-hmm. Well. Just wait. <laughs> it might happen. You never know. That was That was a... That was something. A moment in time. It was. I had a lot of sex that weekend. Especially coming from, like, we don't need to talk about what sex like. Congratulations. <laughs> um, a recent Gallup poll shows that Americans <laughs> have reported feeling stress, worry, and anger at the highest levels in over a decade. While we are growing more and more aware of the effects of stress on our bodies and minds, like this conversation has just mm-hmm. given me, we may not have considered the effects that our stress can have on our pets. I'm reading the wrong commercial. But you can keep reading it if you want to. According to a 2019 study, there is a synchronization between stress hormones in humans and their dogs. If you were a dog parent, you probably know that your pup is very good at reading body language and can quickly pick up on how you're feeling. Mm -hmm. We're always working to reduce our own stress in any way that we can, but what about the anxiety we may have passed on to our dogs? Big Bones has a solution. CBD has been shown to help reduce stress and anxiety in both humans and dogs. And Big Bones has your dog covered. Made from organic, human-grade ingredients and full-spectrum hemp oil, their bones may offer some relief to your anxious pup. Check out BigBones.com for more information on CBD for dogs and other benefits it may provide. Big Bones offers free shipping on all orders over $25, and you can save 15% now using promo code SPOOPY15. SPOOPY15. Big Bones is an LGBTQ-owned and operated and based in Houston, Texas. Baked Bones proudly donates 10% of all profits to no-kill shelters in the U.S. Baked Bones. Wow. But also yum. Yum as well. Uh, Because they are tasty. They smell really fucking good. Um, Maybe I shouldn't use that word in the middle of their commercial, but that's fine. (laughs) Really fracking. Fracking good. (laughs) Fracking. No! No! (laughs) Well, let me go ahead and tell you about our other sponsor, Aussie Pet Mobile. Aussie Pet Mobile. Oh, that's a good jingle. Um, Do you want a clean pet without all the hassle? Yes. Packing Fido up in the car and driving them all over town is a chore that many of us pet owners rarely enjoy doing. What if instead you could have the groomer come straight or gaily forward to you? Gaily forward to you. With Aussie Pet Mobile of River Oaks, you can! Aussie Pet Mobile has spacious, custom-designed mobile units with all the luxuries of the salon. 
AC, heat, electricity, and water. No hookups needed. And they never use kennel dryers or harsh chemicals during the grooming process. Their vans ensure that your groomer has the ability to take care of all of your pet's needs, including hair care to paw care and everything in between. They even offer special services such as de-shedding treatments, whitening treatments, hair styling, Dead Sea mud baths, dark color enhancing treatments, and facials. Their groomers are trained and certified and will pamper your pets with a 100% a personal 100% cage-free one-on-one experience all in the comfort of your driveway, alleyway, in front of your apartment complex, all of the above. You know what else Aussie Pet Mobile groomers are trained on? Good social distancing practices. Make your appointment and be sure to ask about our contact-free pet grooming service. Aussie Pet Mobile. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) LOL. What? What? I don't know. Anyways. What's wrong with you? uh, Everything's wrong. There's always a lot of things wrong with me, so it's not anything anything different, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Like your fashion. It's fashion. It's it's fashion. Excuse me. It's fashion. But is it fashion? It's fashion. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> but is it fashion? <laughs> oh, it's fashion, baby. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, it's fashion, girl. Oh, girl. Um, well, we are on our 69th episode. <laughs> and I prepared something specifically for that. Oh, did you? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, you get to tell me about it because you get to go first. All right. Oh, okay. Um, is, it, is it a long thing? Sure. No. Four Uh pages? That's pretty long. Um, I want to talk a little bit about a psychiatric syndrome that has affected some people over the years that is very odd and can seem very fantastical. Oh, it's a dancing sickness. No. Uh, No. (laughs) Uh, Colloquially, it is known as folie deux. Uh, uh, Yep. Have you ever heard of folie deux? No. Uh, But psychologists will refer to it as... uh, Shared psychosis or shared delusional disorder. Yes, we kind of d- touched on this a little bit with the toxic lady, where they were like, everyone has psychosis. Mm-hmm. And they were like, uh, no, I'm a trained medical professional. I don't have psychosis. And they're like, you're just a crazy, crazy woman. You passed out. Hysterical. Yeah, it's hysterical. Your period is making you go wild. Yeah, you have that vagina thing, and it's like, oh, listen. Ugh. If this was still the 20s, we'd give you vibrators and cocaine, but oh. it's not, so... The tampons laced with, uh, soaked in, um... Codeine. LSD. Codeine. Love it. Basically, LSD. <laughs> and people <laughs> are like, now, nowadays, where, where... Why, can, can we, we... Can we go back that? to that? Can, can we soak all of my tampons in that? Because I would just sit there like, oh, fuck yeah. <laughs> Me, like, yeah, my periods are terrible. <laughs> But you're a man. Um, uh, yeah, don't be transphobic. Listen. Don't do that. <laughs> I need that tampon. Okay. Let me tell you something. Mr. I need it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Mr. Ralph. Dr. Carson. <laughs> uh, Carson Carson. No, because he would be like, yes, girl, yes, we got you, honey. We got tampons for everyone, codeine. Um, well, that's when I'm like, when can we put the cocaine back in Coke? Coca-Cola? Because <laughs> uh, I saw this girl tweeted these pictures of like all the Coca-Cola bottles. And <laughs> I guess it was like kind of being like, which body shape is the best? Yeah. Or something like that. And the first bottle was just like, you know, those bottles of water with like the 
cork that you can put in and then like snap it closed. Oh like yeah, metal. Just like when so can just we go straight back up and to, down? Yeah, when can we go back to the first bottle? <laughs> exactly. Just a box. Why do we need curves? Just go back to to boxy managers. Mm-hmm. Uh. Um, yes. So, phalliatura <laughs> is the psychiatric syndrome in which symptoms of delusion, like Jinx Monsoon, uh-uh. or um, uh, Nina Benina Brown. No. The other one. Alexis Michelle? No. Well, that one too. But um, <laughs> who? What season? Where are we going? AS5. Uh, All-Stars 5. Gia Gunn. No, that was uh, All-Stars 4. No. Um, With Derek Barry. hair that was not wet. Uh, Blair St. Clair. Blair St. Clair delusions. <laughs> um, yes. The symptoms of a delusion or belief uh, that, and sometimes hallucinations, are transmitted from one individual to another. Individual? Individual. <laughs> Individual. 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 Uh, it can be shared by three, four families, folia famille, or even communities. Ooh. Was this folia discovered in France? Is this why it's all French? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. It was discovered by, I didn't write their names down. So are they like, oh, well, you guys are talking about some crazy shit. So that means everyone is, is thinking the same crazy shit. Well, no. If it's, it's, if like, if I told you that, um, granite countertops are made out of people and then but we're both like we both have a mild version of psychosis Mm -hmm. then my delusion gets transferred to you so they have to talk to each other about this they have to be in close proximity Mm. or on the internet yeah yeah and are we wrong Mm. Uh, there are two types of disorder folly impose where a person is dominant um, uh, and they are known as the inducer or the primary they form a delusion during a psychotic episode and convince another to believe it as well whoa dominant hey 69th um, episode (laughs) that's what this is about there we go Uh, the assumption is that the secondary person might not have become deluded had they not been in contact with the inducer okay Uh, folly simultine Simultine, uh, the other type, is a situation where two people considered to suffer sti- simultaneously from psychosis and the individuals coalesce until their delusions become identical or strikingly similar. Oh, well. um, and they begin to trim, tr- trimmer, trigger symptoms in each other. So that's like someone on acid being like, oh my god, do you see that? And they're like, no. no. And they're like, do you see that massive green dragon? It's like, I fucking do now. <laughs> the walls are melting. No, they're not. No, yeah, look at the top up there. They're melting. Oh, my, oh my God. God. We got to get out of here. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> the disorder has no known exact cause, but professionals agree that stress and social isolation are the main contributors. <gasps> quarantine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to be quarantined with somebody else. Oh, damn. Wait, I'm quarantined with Savannah. You guys are both under the delusion that saying hell yeah brother is a cool thing to do it is but we were like that before quarantine <laughs> hell yeah brother we've been spending a lot of time together yeah that's true hell yeah too. um it is difficult to diagnose because <laughs> uh, those with the condition do not usually seek out treatment because they don't realize their delusion is abnormal because it comes from themselves or from someone who they trust so they're so delusional. They're like, yeah, this granite's made of people. They're like, well, I don't need any help for that. It's literally made of people. It's true. Yeah. Uh, Lady Bunny told me. Yeah. And who doesn't trust Lady Bunny? A lot of people. Everyone. Everyone. 
And you should not trust her. Do not trust her. She is a fugly slut. <laughs> she is the oldest person in reality, but she has the mind of a two-year-old. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't trust, I mean. I would probably say like a prepubescent, like teenage boy. Mm. Like a 12 or 13-year-old that's like, I just want to come on everything. Plus hot flashes. Yeah, hot flashes, yeah. So mm-hmm. menopausal, a physical postmenopausal woman mixed with the brain of a prepubescent horny child in the body of a potato yeah that's accurate it's pretty accurate like an old potato like the one of the ones that's like pretty rotted and like has all the roots that are like, like growing out yeah yeah mm-hmm. that's true and you can just throw it at a wall and it just splat oh that's gross um yeah so <laughs> um some of the most famous and odd cases of folie deux include ian and myra hindley I've talked about them on the podcast. Oh, whoa, callback! <laughs> of the Moore's murders. Uh-huh. And Wait, hold on. Like, in Villisca, Iowa? No, England. Oh, never mind. <laughs> uh, also, Margaret and Michael, who don't have last names. But they believe... Thanks, Margaret and Michael. Well, this is a, a really famous... I mean, people put out studies about them to, to bring about the... Uh, like coining of the term folia de, mm, gotcha. um, who believed that certain persons were entering their home and spreading dust and fluff as well as wearing down their shoes. That happens naturally mm-hmm. all the time. No, they're like, listen, no, because somebody comes into our house at night and they put dust on everything and then they wear our shoes around and wear down the soles. Okay. And they were both like, yep. That's what happened. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it was not from wearing our own shoes because we just bought those shoes. Yeah, but. So they could not possibly have been worn out that you fast. You wear them out of the store and walk on some asphalt real fast like you've already worn out. Nope. The bottom of them. Not for these two. Okay. Um, <laughs> choices. And the case that I want to talk about today. Oh, my this God. This is one of the most famous ones. Which one? Uh, the Erickson sisters. Ooh. Uh... Identical twin sisters born in Sundvamland, Sweden, in the late 60s. Sabina. Oh my god, I almost did a Swedish murder today. Swedish? Swedish. It was about the meatballs. Oh well. I'm going to sneeze. We love a good Swedish meatball. Oh boy. Woohoo! Yeah. <laughs> Do a dab. Choo! Uh, yes. That's a good way to sneeze. It's a good way to teach the youths the how youths. to sneeze. Um, so these twins lived a normal childhood with no apparent history of mental illness or criminal convictions. In the year 2000, Ursula was living in the United States. Bitch, this is recent. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And See, I think whenever I think of like discovering these like crazy-ass like mental uh, situations, I'm thinking, like, okay, this is back in like, the, the 1700s. 20s. Well, maybe further back, but I'm thinking like the 1920s when like... Tw- like 1200s. It's perfectly fine to stick a pickaxe in your brain and try and scramble it, see what happens. Just, here we go. Your brain's fine. <laughs> Looks delicious. <laughs> um, yeah, so Ursula was living in the States and Sabine was living in, in Mallow, Cork County, Ireland with a husband and two children. On Friday, May 16th, 2008, Ursula traveled to visit Sabina for uns unspecified reasons Mm -hmm. Uh, that same day late at night they secretly left Sabina's home bound for Liverpool England 
Uh, probably traveling by ferry, they arrived in Liverpool at 8.30 a.m. on Saturday uh, and went to the St. Anne Street Police Station to report concerns over safeties of, Sabine, of Sabina's children. So they were like, yeah, we're going to skip the country yeah. from Ireland to England and then report the crime <laughs> in a hey, different country. We're in a different country and uh, nowhere close to each other. And also, wasn't it the early 2000s when they were like really having some issues between England and Ireland? That was the 90s. 90s, yeah. But I mean, it's still like right after us. I like, mean, I oh, don't think they're like, yeah, bring them on over. Exactly. I'm sure they weren't. I'm sure they did, still didn't have a great relationship in, in at that time. So I'm sure they were probably still like, uh, I don't care. Yeah, and these are Swedish people. They're like, <clears throat> Something is happening in my home. Oh, my God. <laughs> and they're like, oh, cool. Where's your house? In Ireland. <laughs> oh, you do realize <laughs> that <laughs> these I, are different places. I can't help you. <laughs> uh, you're part of the EU. Still. Yeah. Uh, well, well no, this before, before Brexit, but... <laughs> This is a different country. Yeah, still. <laughs> um, so, yeah, the Liverpool police were like, all right. So they contacted Dublin. <laughs> hey, can you handle this? To follow this up. They were like, hey, some of your, like, people. <laughs> they're here. <laughs> they're here. <laughs> um, apparently, Sabina had fought with her husband the evening prior. At 11.30 a.m., the sisters boarded a bus headed for London. Oh, they're really just going. They are. Well, I'm out. <laughs> hey. I mean... That's essentially like us traveling to New Mexico. Yeah. Yeah. But still, like, but Liverpool to to uh, London is is still for they're traveling across yes. the country. Yeah. That's still across. Like, I know it's not necessarily the farthest thing uh, compared to how far we had to travel in the fucking state of Texas to get anywhere. Um, hey, we could get to Louisiana in two hours. That's still quite a long time. Yeah. <laughs> We're also still in Houston for half of that. <laughs> just say we'll just agree that Beaumont is like an extension of Houston basically at this point it's a neighborhood might as well just put 99 go have it go through Beaumont yeah I mean it's, it's already that far out so listen <laughs> um, so at 1pm the driver of the bus kicked the sisters off of the bus at the Kiel services station um, even though it wasn't a scheduled stop because they were behaving very erratically oh boy uh, he asked to search their bags for illegal items because they were clinging to them very tightly. They refused, so the driver just left them there. Like, okay, well, get off my fucking bus. Mm -hmm. He was like, you can catch the next one. Yeah, you guys are acting crazy. You also won't leave your bags alone. Are you guys on drugs? Get off. <laughs> are you on drugs? Do you have a bomb? Yeah, please get off my bus. Um, the service station manager was informed and the sisters of the sisters and was also very suspicious of their movements, demeanor, and their fixation on their bags. So she called police. Officers arrived and spoke with the women, but left after deeming the pair harmless. Oh, boy. Uh, visible they're from... They're basically... They're just fucking crazy. Okay, bye. <laughs> hey. It's like that woman downtown that screams at the cars. I love that. Um, visible from CCTV, the sisters left the gas station on foot and began to walk down the central reservation, which is the space between the two highways. Okay. Um, and it's got, like, uh, the guardrails. The, yeah, the barrier. Mm -hmm. um, they attempt to cross it, uh, jumping the barriers and running into oncoming traffic. Oh, cool. Um, and not, like, a little bit of traffic. Uh, there are three lanes going each direction and approximately eight or so cars visible in the CCTV footage, including large and small transport trucks. Things that cannot stop fast. On a dime. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Both were hit, but miraculously only sustained minor injuries. And Bitch, I, how the fuck? I know. I watched, I'm imagining the people who that I see walking on I-45 in the middle of the night. And I'm like, why are you on this raised elevated portion? There's no exits up here. You're, why? <laughs> like, yeah. I don't get it. Um, yeah, and I when I watched it, the cars are not like... I mean, when you're driving on 45 and somebody's walking on the side of the road, you are a little a- apprehensive, but mm-hmm. you're not like, slow down to 20, somebody's yeah, on the road. Exactly, no. These and cars like, are still going. 40, 50 miles an hour. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the cars are just like, there's the a person, yeah. Um, and so, miraculously, they're not injured, uh, just minor cuts and bruises. Uh, Sabina was hit by a Ciate Leon, a small sedan. Um, they made it to the shoulder of the highway, and the highway's agency officers responded to the incident after calls from numerous drivers. Central Motorway Police Group was also called in to assist. The motorway police were also accompanied by a small television crew that was filming them for an episode of uh, a sh- television show on BBC called Motorway Cops. They were filming them? Yeah, oh, they were filming like the cops. police. Okay, got mm-hmm. it. I thought that someone was fil- filming the girls, and I was like, what? <laughs> no just happens that these people were traveling with cops at the same time. Okay. And, I mean, that's how they captured all this. Yeah. Um, On the shoulder of the northbound M6, the police were evaluating the situation. When unprovoked, Ursula broke free from them and ran into the side of an oncoming Mercedes-Benz Axtros 2546. I remember this. Mm -hmm. I remember this story coming out. Oh, my God. I, I don't know why it just clicked about her running away from the cops, but I'm remembering it now. This was back in when we were children, because we I mean, were in high school. You said two thousand and eight, two thousand eight. Okay, well, regardless, I remember it. Like I remember because I remember watching the videos about it, and of course, in typical high schools were all laughing about it, like not understanding that mental health was a very serious thing, thing. to take. To but I mean, I was raised in in. I know I, that's not a defense thing, but I was that's raised when in they church, still so use the R word. exactly. And I remember in high school that was a big like thing is to erase the R word, which is great. Uh, but um, we we definitely remember. I remember watching that the videos of that and just like laughing, <laughs> and uh, that I was horrified. I don't know what you people are doing. We're terrible. <laughs> I was like, oh my god! She just like went running and just got like hit by a car. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She ran into the side of a a semi truck mm-hmm. and was whipped under the wheels. Under it, yeah. Um, yeah. So <clears throat> she. The, it was traveling at 56 miles an hour, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sabina then followed her sister while the police were stunned and was hit head-on by a Volkswagen Polo traveling at high speed. Mm-hmm. And that's the one where she just, like, whoop, went right up in the air, yeah. came down, and was rolling. Yep. Uh, both survived their collisions again. Mm-hmm. Ursula was immobilized as her legs had been crushed by the semi. Sabina was unconscious for 15 minutes. Ursula resisted immediate aid from the paramedics. That was the one that got her legs crushed. Mm-hmm. Uh, she spat and scratched at the officers and screamed obscenities. Ursula screamed at the officers, quote, I recognize you. I know you're not real. Sabina regained consciousness and shouted to Ursula, quote, they're going to steal your organs, end quote. Oh my God. She then got to her feet, hit the officer in the face, and jumped the central barriers and ran into oncoming this traffic is at, again. Oh my god. So this is after she got slammed by this Volkswagen, flew up into the air and then landed on the ground, was unconscious for 15 minutes, gets up, slaps the officer, and then runs into oncoming traffic Punches again. the officer in the face. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, but with all the commotion going on on the one side of the freeway, uh, the traffic on the other side of the motorway was... Had pretty much yeah, they were, slowed down. Well, they slowed down to watch it, obviously. <clears throat> it, rubbernecking, yeah. Um, so they were like, Wait, some Whoa, people call it goosenecking. Yeah. Did you know? <laughs> That's gross. Yeah. I like rubbernecking better. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Because you're like, Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> um, Yeah, so the cars stopped. Mm-hmm. Um, but with all... Uh, la, 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 the police were able to catch up to her. And with the help of other motorists, the police restrained her. Because I'm sure they helped, like, block her. Like, oh, this the cop is chasing after this girl. She obviously did something. To we need carry to, like, her. Yeah. <laughs> Six people it took to oh restrain her. Oh, my God. Six men. And sh- she wasn't on drugs. <laughs> no. Oh, my gosh. Drugs or alcohol. Um, both sisters... No, I skipped something. Then the ambulance had arrived by then, and medics were able to sedate her. Both sisters were taken to hospital... Ursula was admitted to intensive care. While Sabina calmed down and was controlled, despite her ordeal, she was released from the hospital within five hours. Mm-hmm. Ursula? No, Sabina. Oh, okay. The one that didn't have her legs crushed. Which one was the one that lived in Ireland? Sabina, right? Sabina. Mm-hmm. So where is her husband in all this? Has he not, like, where is she at? Like, cause... No, he, yes. They, they had called him by that time, and he was like, I had no idea where she was. I yeah. was just like, where the <laughs> fuck she is just she? left. Yeah, her and her sister left. It's like, did they go to a casino? Yeah. Anyways, um, but he is not going to England at this time. He's not going to the UK at this time. Um, so apparently, five hours after she had been released from the hospital, she's going with police to the station to be booked. She was not concerned with her sister's condition. She didn't. She no care. Um, she was transferred to police custody. Uh, during the processing, she was she told an officer, "quote We say in Sweden that an accident. Oh wait, <clears throat> we say in Sweden that uh, <laughs> an accident rarely comes alone. Usually, at least one more follows, maybe two." Uh, end quote. An apparent revelation about the preceding events. On May 19th, Sabina was released from court without a full psychiatric evaluation, having pled guilty to the charges of trespass on motorway and hitting an officer. The court sentenced her... And they just released her? Sentenced her to one day in custody, which they had deemed her to have already served after spending the night in jail. What the fuck? Mm-hmm. Okay. After leaving the court, Sabina... No one gave her, like, a mental evaluation or, like, hey, we should probably check this out. No. Oh, my gosh. After the court, uh, Sabina began to wander the streets of Stokes-on-Trent, trying to find her sister in hospital, carrying all of her possessions in a clear plastic bag given to her by the police. She was also wearing her sister's green top. At 7 p.m., two local men spotted her whilst they were walking their dog on Christchurch Street in Fenton. One of the men was 54-year-old Glenn Hollidshead and his friend Peter Malloy. Sabina appeared friendly and played with their dog. Sabina began behaving erratically, which worried Malloy. She asked the two men for directions and if that there was a B&B or a hotel nearby. Holland's head took pity on her and offered to take her back to his home. Sabina relaxed, and the two men agreed to help her find her sister the next day. When they arrived at his home, they had uh, the few the, the the couple had a few drinks. Um, Sabina kept looking out the window and snatching at the blinds. She <laughs> offered cigarettes to the men, but when they took them and put them in their mouths, she snatched them out, saying that they could have been poisoned. 
What? But she had been smoking these cigarettes all night. <laughs> they These ones could have been poisoned. Sticks it in her mouth and mm-hmm. smokes it. Okay. Uh, shortly before midnight, Malloy... At that point, I would have been like, okay, we, we you need to leave now. <laughs> I don't... Or I'd be like, hey, Peter, go to the... Go to the kitchen and get us another beer. Yeah. Call the police. Call the police. Yeah, someone save us. <laughs> yeah, I would not be, uh, oh, yeah, let's keep talking and seeing how I can help you. Uh, no. <laughs> yeah, you are a crazy, not crazy. First of all, I don't think that I would have, have invited her back to my house. No, no, no. To begin mm-hmm. with, because I don't like people to begin Well, they with. were like, there's no hotels nearby. I'm like, certainly you can call her a cab. So, someone <laughs> take her somewhere. If that, if you want to, if you're going to do something, send her somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> Cause then you can at least do like the out of sight, out of mind. Like, <laughs> oh, well, we helped her. We yeah. took, sent her to a, a hotel somewhere. She can't be that far from Liverpool. She was taken to the police station. Exactly. So she like, couldn't have walked uh, that far. You go about 20 miles that way. Yeah. And you'll end up in. Not uh, even that. I, I can't imagine that she walked that far, depending on how long she was walking for, but I don't know. <laughs> it's all very close together. Yeah. I just don't know where this police station is. Maybe it's in the suburbs. Yeah. Um, because technically they were picked up, you know, on the side of the highway. Mm-hmm. Um, um, yeah. So Malloy left and Sabina stayed the night. Oh boy. Uh, the next day around noon, Hollins had called his brother asking about local hospitals at 7.40 PM while a meal was being prepped. Hollins had, had left the house and went to his neighbor to ask for tea. Uh, and then he While went leaving the her girl. in his house. Yeah, no. mm-hmm. A moment later, he returned to the neighbor's home, bleeding. Oh, boy. And he told the neighbor, she stabbed me before collapsing and passing away. He died? Mm-hmm. She murdered him? Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. She keeps going. The neighbor dialed emergency services, and she was captured on CCTV. She had run out of the home with a hammer... Uh, and periodically hit herself in the head with it. Oh, boy. Passing a motor saw this and tackled her, attempting to wrestle the hammer away from her. She screamed and took a roof tile out of her pocket and struck him with it in the head, stunning him temporarily. By that time, paramedics had discovered her and began to chase her. Sabina ran to a nearby bridge and jumped 40 feet down to the A5 highway below. Her bro- she broke both of her ankles and fractured her skull, but she was finally recaptured. Yeah, because she can't fucking move mm-hmm. at this point. Uh, How was- the fuck has she survived all of these things? I don't understand. What the fuck? Okay. <laughs> yep. uh, she was taken to hospital. Uh, she recovered in September, as did Ursula. Uh, Ursula uneventfully left the hospital and went to Sweden and then eventually to the U.S. And nothing's happened. She was perfectly fine after that. She was mm-hmm. like, well, I got hit, and, and now I'm good. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sabina went on trial for murder of Glenn Holland's head. She where pil- did she stab him? Did it say where, he, where no, she stabbed him? Where stabbed oh, him. man. Um, she, obviously somewhere near That he bled organ. out immediately, yeah. Maybe the neck. Yeah, neck, heart, liver. <laughs> yeah. Um, she pled guilty to a lesser charge of manslaughter with diminished responsibility. Psychologists argued that she was mentally ill at the time of the events, but had since recovered. Sabina would not respond to any questions when asked, and she would never attend the trials. Why? Doesn't she have to? I guess not in England. Hmm. Weird. Um, Because of the psychologist's conclusions, the judge could not sentence her to a mental hospital. 
And since she could not be deemed a dangerous criminal due to the lesser charge, she could not be jailed for an indefinite amount of time. He ruled as follows, quote, I understand that this sentence will seem entirely inadequate to the relatives of the deceased. However, I have sentenced on the basis that the reason for the killing was mental illness, and therefore the culpability of the defendant is low, and therefore the sentence I have passed is designed to protect the public. It is not designed to reflect the grief of the relatives that have suffered or to measure the value of Mr. Hollenhead's life. No sentence I could pass could do that. It is a sentence which I hope fairly measures a tragic event. Sabina was suffering from delusions, which she believed to be true, and they dictated her behavior. It is not one of those cases where the defendant could have done something to avoid the onset. End quote. She was sentenced to five years in what prison. What the fuck? <laughs> and she got credit for 439 days already served. Oh my gosh. So basically she was already like a year and a half through her sentence whenever she got her sentence she was eligible for parole or for release in 2011 but prior to it she was released to her partner and children where she's been living ever since so her her husband that she claimed was threatening her children and she disappeared so what was the delusion do we have more more information like what were the two of them they won't answer questions and i but then how do we how can we chalk that up to to the two of them both being delusional because they ran into traffic. Well, yeah, I don't know. That just seems like a yeah. It's a, it made a lot of people very angry. Yeah, I'm angry about it. Mm-hmm. This the, is stupid. She killed someone. Killed someone. And uh, and I can endangered only... thousands by running into the middle exactly. of the highway. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> uh, the events have sparked a lot of investigation into the way the criminal justice han- system handles those with mental illnesses. Gary Holland's head, Glenn's brother, stated, "Quote." We don't hold her responsible, the same as we wouldn't blame a rabid dog for biting someone. She is ill and, to a large degree, not responsible for her actions, but her mental disorder should have been recognized much earlier. I do question the criminal justice system for allowing somebody like this to be let out when she is capable of committing such a crime. Her mental condition should have been properly assessed after what she did on the motorway and the experiences that the police had. We saw all the experiences. You released her after five hours and said, oh, she's not crazy. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> her mental disorder should have been picked up prior to her being let out of the, into the community. Glenn saw Erickson in distress and was just trying to help. He wasn't slow in coming forward to help somebody in distress. It was his nature. He was trying to help. He would help anybody. If he saw the fight in the street and a guy was losing, he would help. That's sad. Yeah. And also makes me angry. Yeah, because I mean, we had the point where she was she made it to Liverpool and was like, you know what, this is not great. Then we had the bus driver, which the bus driver I think is the only one who did something properly because he protected the, his people on the bus and was like, you guys just need to get the fuck off. Like we're not dealing with this. Uh, so then they go to the the or the police go to the bus station, right? And those police were like, oh well, we had you overnight, and then like that was it, right? Was that what you told me? Um, no, they went to the convenient or the gas station and were like, they seem fine. And then they went out and drove, ran into traffic. Oh, okay. One of them went to the hospital. The other one was like, in in the jail, she was fine. Oh, okay. They were like, she's great. She's, she's she was like, there. well, they were like, we have to take your shoes. And she was like, really? They smell so bad and they're dirty. I feel bad for you. And the girl was like, it's fine. It's just procedure. She was like, well, okay. And she flirted with the attendant. She was like, you look about 45. Am I right? And he was like, yep, spot on. 
Okay. I don't know. Um, yeah. It, to me, it gives me vibes of, like, the gay panic de- defense. Oh, yeah. Like, I was just crazy for that one second. Because that... But I'm fine yeah, now. Yeah, I'm fine now, yeah. So, yeah. And I don't... I don't know why the state didn't fight for a harder sentence mm-hmm. for a murder. A mm-hmm. murder! Yeah. Because she stabbed him regardless. Like... And there's no sense, uh, there's no, uh, you know, connotations of he was in any kind of a danger to her. Exactly. He stayed, she stayed in his house overnight. And also at the same time, he, he, the judge, why couldn't he overrule what the, the psychologist doesn't have any power. The psychologist is just telling him like, okay, she was, she was crazy, or I'm sorry, she did have, suffer from mental delusions, but. Because of the charge that they know. gave her. What do you mean? Because the charge was manslaughter. With diminished responsibility, not murder. Okay, but why can't they like the Why can't he overrule the psychologist? Still, I don't understand. Like, why can't he say, "Okay, uh, I understand that you're trying to te- you're trying to tell me that she does not suffer from this anymore," but I don't believe you. And uh, so she mean, should have been sentenced to a mental. Uh, I guess it's the social facility. services of the state saying that she's she was not competent at that moment, and then now she suddenly is. Yes. Okay. And Especially he can only hand have... out sentences. He doesn't get to decide, you know, whether someone is fit to stand trial or not. I doesn't. I don't. That doesn't matter if she's fit to stand trial. I think. I don't know. It, I mean, it's a shit show. Of a I'm case. sure there's. Yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of rights and things that I'm not understanding here. But it's like the. I, it's from, their justice system. Yeah, but like I know that here in America, I'm sorry, in the United States, that. Um, you have like the prosecution psychologist and the defense psychologist, and they get to they like. They did, and both of them said that they were, that she was uh, mentally unfit at the time. Yeah, but that's the psychologist is just refer or not referring. What's the rec- recommending? What they're they're providing recommendations, and here in the United States, they can still rule otherwise. Because I mean, you remember? Well, I guess not, that's not a really good case. If they say but, that they're mentally unfit to stand trial, then. Then that's the only case of when they're going to say you you're going to go to a mental hospital for the rest of your life. Exactly. In this case, they said that they were that she is mentally fit now, but she was not at that time. So they so then why didn't they try to somebody that was mentally unfit? But that doesn't mean that they the judge can't rule for her to go to a mental hospital. I think it does. Mm. And with the case it being uh, a charge of manslaughter with diminished responsibility. He didn't have uh, the option to say, you're going to jail for an indefinite amount of time. Yeah. If they had said maybe she was uh, a danger to others, then he could have handed out an indefinite sentence. I still think that she's a danger to others. Her and her sister. I think both of them are. And she lives here. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. So... That's crazy to me. Lock your doors. That's, yeah, please. Don't, don't, if you ever meet anyone named Ursula Erickson, run. Get out. <laughs> also, always lock your doors. Always lock your doors. Also, and don't, don't talk to anybody. Don't invite strangers to your house. Literally, yes. How did one of my straight friends just text me, have you heard Lady Gaga's song, Stupid Love? Um, Cody, <laughs> get your shit together. Hi. Um, yeah, that came out <laughs> a long seven time months ago. ago. <laughs> LOL. Um, okay. Um, well... That was wild, and now I'm all, like, riled up. I love it. Well, speaking of, you you said something about the more more family or, or something like that? The uh, more murders? More something? What did the you Moors. say? The Moors. The Moors. It's a place in England. Oh, never mind then. 
Um, because I'm going to be talking about the Moore family. <laughs> From Moore, Oklahoma? From, no. Um, I'm going to be talking about the Vasilica Axe Murders. Um, have you ever heard of them? They're, they're uh, in a little uh, old, olden time uh, axe murders that happen, you know? No. No? You don't remember them? I've never heard of it. Never heard of them? Okay, well, let me tell you about them. Um, so, on the evening of June 9th, 1912, uh, in the early morning... What? That's a good year, right? 1912? Um, the early morning of... And the early morning of June 10th of 1912, in the town of Vasilica in southwestern Iowa, the six members of the Moore family and two house guests were found bludgeoned in the Moore residence. All eight victims, including six children, had severe head wounds from the blunt side of an axe that was found... Well, some sources said it was found next to a four-pound slab of bacon. The other one said it was found uh, in one of the bedrooms. Um, so the Moore family consisted of the parents, Josiah B., aged 43, uh, Sarah Montgomery, uh, aged 39, and their four children, Herman Montgomery, age 11, Mary Catherine, uh, age 10, Arthur Boyd, age 7, and Paul Vernon, age 5. They were an aff affluent family, aff affluent family, and were well known and liked in their community. I always love whenever they're like, they were well known and liked. Like I didn't like them. Yeah, it's, obviously someone didn't like them. Um, they were known and well liked. Yeah, one time that bitch stole my Tupperware. So and here we are. Um, so on the day of June 9th, uh, nineteen twelve, Mary Catherine Moore invited Ina May age 8, and Lena Gertrude Stillinger, age 12. So they were two sisters, age 8 and age 12, to spend the night at the Moore residence with the other kid. I'm assuming they were obviously friends of the children. Um, they didn't say, like, oh, wow, like, they were just two random kids that showed up on the front doorstep or something like that. <laughs> Come on in! Exactly. Um, so that evening, um, the visiting girls and the Moore family attended the Presbyterian Church where they participated in the Children's Day program, uh, which Sarah Moore... Um, had coordinated. After the program ended at 9.30 p.m., the Moors Ooh, and... late. <laughs> so late. Uh, the Moors and the Stillinger sisters walked to the Moors' house. Moors' Moors' Um Moors' uh Arriving between 9.45 p.m. and 10 p.m. Uh, at 7 a.m. the next day, June 10th, Mary Peckham, the Moore's neighbor, became concerned after she noticed that the Moore family had not come out to do their morning chores. Uh, I find this hilarious. <laughs> like, you have a nosy neighbor that's like, 7 o'clock in the morning, like, oh, you didn't do your thing? Uh, the sun is out. Where are you? <laughs> that's um, going to be me. Like, a nago, 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 hello, uh, did you sleep in today? Like... <laughs> I noticed that your laundry has been out for a long time, bringing down the property values <laughs> so in this neighborhood. So what are you up to? Uh, yeah, the pe so Peckham... Must not, not have a lot of fresh butter. Nobody's been out here churning, <laughs> churning butter. Churning butter, exactly. You guys are out here in the middle of the plains in 1912. You should be out here getting shit done. Mm -hmm. I thought it was hilarious. That rooster's been crowing for a long time, so baby. even more funny to me is that, the, that Peckham then knocked on the Morse's door... <laughs> Nobody answered. Yes! So then she tries to open it. Me! <laughs> and discovers that it was locked. <laughs> so it's like, bitch, what? So I guess it probably is not that weird because they live in the country and then she was probably like watching out for them. She was like, you're not, you you didn't let the chickens out. Mm -hmm. um, because then Peckham let the Moores' chicken out, the chickens out, and then called Ross Moore, who is Josiah Moore's brother. Uh, Josiah's the dad. Hey, what? How do they have a phone? It's 1912. 
Phones were, what, 1880s when phones were created? But it was not like, everybody's got a phone. I'm sure it was like a little rotary thing. It was like, hello, hello. Well, that's like party lines where like you have to call the operator in town and then they have to call the operator in their town. I'm sure Ross Moore's number was like eight. No. (laughs) You dial eight. (laughs) 207. 207. You have the 207th phone. They're also from an affluent family, remember? Yeah, I guess they're affluent. So if they they have that money, then they got... What is the city again? Uh, Basilica? No, this is... Oh, yeah, Basilica, uh, Iowa. It's the middle of nowhere, Iowa. Hmm. Uh, Because I looked it up. It's like... I looked up Montgomery County, Iowa, and there's like four cities there. And most of them... at. Most of them were unincorporated territory. So they're like kind of cities. They're not even like real cities. <laughs> and I was like, oh, so Basilica is the only one that's like kind of a city. Um, I think you're saying this wrong. Or I'm sorry, Velisca. Sorry. I, I said it right once. Velisca. I typed it wrong the first time, and then it's just stuck in my head forever. Velisca. Velisca. Sorry, not Basilica. Velisca. V-I-L-L-I-C-S-C-A. Nobody would have ever known nope. if I had not just Exactly. To I would have just kept on saying Basilica over and over and over again. Yeah, Velisca. <laughs> um, oh, right. wow. That is like the smallest. Is that even? It's, <laughs> it's the biggest city in their, their co- county. <laughs> this is Woodville. Exactly. <laughs> There's like nothing going on there. Um, yeah, so. Uh, oh, near Nottaway. Wow. Uh, so like, like Peckham, uh, Ross Moore uh, received no response when he knocked on the door. He unlocked the front door with his copy of the house key. Uh, or I'm sorry, knocked on the front door and shouted. That's also like, hey, wake up. It's time to get up. Um, yeah. hey, can you please answer your door? Hey, I'm out here. <laughs> so he unlocked the One front. One of my favorite tweets is um, pretty wild that the first person who knocked on somebody's door just decided... Hey, I'm going to punch your house until you decide to come talk to me. Shut the fuck up. I love that. I'm going to punch your house and you're going to walk out here. I love all the, like, first first ever kind of tweets. Uh, the like, person who first ate toast was had bread and was like, cook it again. Cook it again. Like, <laughs> we just made bread. Man. Cook it again. <laughs> what? Cook it again. <laughs> Stupid. I love it. So he unlocked the front door with his copy of the house key. So while Peckham stood on the porch, Moore went into the parlor and opened the guest bedroom door, where he found Ina and Lena Stillinger's bodies on the bed. Moore immediately ran out the front door and told Peckham, call Henry Hank Horton. That, I love that. Every man's name from 1912. Well, so it has Hank in quotations, so I assume that that was his nickname. Call uh, Hank! But I thought it was funny. Uh, so Velisca's primary, he was Velisca's primary peace officer, uh, who arrived shortly thereafter. So the uh, Horton search of the house revealed that the entire Moore family and the two Stillinger girls had been bludgeoned to death. The murder weapon, an axe belonging to Josiah, was found, like I said, it, there's two different reports, was found in the guest room where the Stillinger sisters were found. So doctors concluded that the murders had taken place between midnight and 5 a.m., and they had found two spent cigarettes in the attic, Suggested, I'm sorry, suggesting that the killer or the killers patiently waited in the attic until the Moore family and the Stillinger guests were asleep. I'm very sensitive to cigarette smoke, so if I walked in my house and smelled cigarettes, I'd be like, no. But it's also 1912. So I'm sure like, they all The smoke. children are smoking. Exactly. So I'm sure that was like, oh, it smells like my house. Happy 10th birthday, Abel. <laughs> you got a Here's pack of cigarettes. cigarettes. Exactly. And cigarettes were 
a nickel. <laughs> a go, buffalo nickel. Yeah, you'd go down to the, the hardware store and be like, I need my cigarettes. Go down to the pharmacy and get a <laughs> uh, a soda jerk and a pack of cigarettes. Soda, Coca-Cola full of cocaine and, and some cigarettes. Hey, and then you just you got run your, home. You got your uppers and your downers. <laughs> Evens you out, you know? Get your... I need my prescription of uh, methamphetamine as well. I'm yes. going to be working in the, the yard later. I need to get wild. <laughs> uh, so the killer or killers began in, uh, they decided the killers or killer or killers had began in the master bedroom where Josiah and Sarah Moore were sleeping. Josiah received more blows from the axe than any of the other victims. And his face had been cut to such an extent that his eyes were missing. Um, they used the blade of the axe on Josiah while using the blunt in on the rest of the victims. Uh, they proceeded into the children's rooms and bludgeoned Herman, Mary, Catherine, Arthur, and Paul in the head in the same manner as their parents. Uh, they returned to the master bedroom to inflict more blows on the elder Moors. This was seen as obvious because they knocked over a shoe that had been filled with blood before moving downstairs to the guest bedroom and killing Ina and Lena. Investigators believe that all of the victims, except for Lena Stillinger, had been asleep when they were murdered. They thought that she had been awake uh, and tried to fight back as she was found lying crosswise on the bed with a defensive wound on her arm. Lena's nightgown was pushed up to her waist and she was wearing no undergarments, leading law enforcement to the speculation that, kill that the killer or killers sexually molested her or attempted to do so. Um, so basically they went up and took Josiah out because he was a, a burly farmer man, I'm assuming. Uh, so they were like, well, we kill the man. We can take care of everyone else. Like, um, cause all the rest of them are just children and, and, uh, his wife. Um, so there were several suspects that came under investigation in this case over time. The first off is Andrew Sawyer. Every transient and otherwise known, uh, otherwise accounted for stranger was a suspect in the murders. One suspect was the man named Andy Sawyer. Uh, no real evidence actually linked Sawyer to the crime, but his name come up, came up often in grand jury testimonies. According to Thomas Dyer of Burlington, Iowa, a bridge foreman and pile driver for the Burlington Railroad, so he was a railroad worker, uh, he, or not, well, Sawyer was, but the Thomas, we're talking about Thomas Dyer. Thomas Dyer was from Burlington and worked as a bridge foreman uh, for the Burlington Railroad. And he saw Andy Dwyer approaching his crew in Creston, Iowa at 6 a.m. on the morning the murders were discovered. Sawyer was clean-shaven, wearing a brown suit when he arrived, but his shoes were covered in mud and his pants were, were wet nearly to the knees. He asked for employment, and as Dyer needed an extra man, he was given the job on the spot. Dyer testified that later that evening, when the crew reached Fonet, ooh, Fontanelle, Iowa, uh, Sawyer purchased a newspaper and went off by himself to read it. The newspaper carried a front-page account of the Velisca murders, and according to Dyer, Sawyer was very much interested in it. Dyer's crew complained that Sawyer slept with his clothes on and was anxious to be by himself. Do they, do they, they normally get naked to go to bed? I take off my clothes when I go to bed. Does he have other clothes? I don't know. He's I'm, a I'm assuming if they were ant. alarmed, I'm thinking that he, he f was sleeping in his suit that he was wearing. Oh. So that's why I think it was like kind of weird to him. Have but you he, ever slept in jeans? No. Terrible. Well, I have whenever I've like been wasted drunk, but that's a different story. <laughs> uh, Awful. Because I can just Would pass not out. Recommend. Well, I don't. Hey, I, I wouldn't recommend it. I, 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 Listen, I wouldn't recommend okay. it. Okay. 
I've gone over to my friends' house, friends' houses before, and like slept on their couches, and I have like taken off my pants because I'm like, you guys already know me; it doesn't matter. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> I haven't done it on yours, I don't think. <laughs> the, uh, Thomas slice on the couch. <laughs> So, it's too late now. Oh my gosh! <laughs> what are you getting rid of? I've been sitting on it uh, <laughs> for a long what, time. Okay, but also if okay, never mind. <laughs> what? Listen, you're disgusting. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, they were. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Uh, so they were also uneasy that Sawyer slept with his axe next to him. Uh, he often talked of the Vasilica, damn it, Velisca murders and whether or not a killer had been apprehended. Uh, he reportedly told Dyer that he had been in Velisca that Sunday night and had heard of the murders, being afraid of t- being taken <laughs> he was in. like, oh, yeah, I was there. Yeah, he's like, oh, yeah, I was in that city. Uh, but being afraid of being taken as a suspect, he had left and gone to Creston. Dyer was suspicious and turned him over to the sheriff on June 18th of 1912. So this is, what, nine days later? Uh, Dyer later testified that prior to the sheriff's arrival, he had walked up behind Sawyer. He was rubbing both of his, both of his hands, uh, rubbing his head with both of his hands, and suddenly jumped up and said to himself, I will cut your goddamn heads off. That was a quote. So, Kathy, if you're listening, I'm sorry I said the GD word. Um, at the time, he had made... So I know. Uh, at the time, he had made striking motions with the axe and began hitting the piles in front of him. So, uh, piles of what? Uh, th- he's a railroad worker, so I'm assuming piles of wood or the the railroad piles. I don't know. Um, so Dyer's son, whose name is J.R., uh, testified <laughs> testified that one day as the crew drove to Velisca, Sawyer told him he would show JR where the man who killed the Moore family got out of town. He said the man that did the job jumped over a manure box, which he pointed out about one and a half blocks away. He then showed where he crossed the railroad track. JR said that there were footprints in the soggy ground north of the embankment. Sawyer told JR to look on the other side of the car uh, and said he would show him an old tree where the murderer stepped into the creek. According to JR, uh, he looked over and saw a tree south of the track about four blocks away. Um, so basically, that was supposed to, I guess, lead down the fact of why his shoes were muddy and why his pants were wet halfway up, uh, because he had ran across a muddy embankment and then jumped in the creek and left. Um, I don't know. Sawyer was dismissed as a suspect in the case when officials learned that he could prove that he had been in... Oh, oh. Osceola, Iowa, on Osceola. How is it spelled? O s c e o l a. O s c e l a. E o l a. Osceola. Osceola. Yeah. Okay. That's what I said the first time. Uh, On the night. Osceola. You were wrong. Just keep going. On the night of the murders, he had been arrested for vagrancy there, and the Osceola. Uh, sheriff recalled him uh, recalled putting him on a train to to send him away at approximately 11 p.m. that evening. So there was no way that he had been in uh, Villisca that night because he was a vagrant and in an, a town in Iowa that was I don't know how close Osceola was, but um, yeah. So he had an alibi, and so then 
the the next suspect was Reverend George Kelly. Uh, Kelly was an English-born traveling minister in town on the night of the murders. Kelly was described as a peculiar. You know, anyone get, getting described as peculiar in 1912 gay. is like you're either gay or like really crazy. Um, he reportedly suffered from a mental breakdown as an adult. He doesn't care for the company of women. He's exactly. Queer. Um, as an uh, adolescent. As an adult, he was accused multiple times of peeping and several times asking young women and girls to pose nude for him. Uh, on June, oh. yeah, on June eighth of nineteen twelve, he came to Villisca to teach the Children's Day services, which the Moore family had attended on June ninth, nineteen twelve. Uh, he left town between about five a.m. and five thirty a.m. on June tenth of nineteen twelve, hours before the bodies were discovered. Reverend Kelly had confessed to the murders in court, but the jury didn't believe his confession. Uh, in the weeks that followed, he displayed a fascination with the case and wrote many letters to the police, investigators, and the family of the deceased. This aroused suspicion that a uh, aroused suspicion, and a private investigator wrote back to Reverend Kelly asking for details that the minister might know about the murders. Kelly replied with great detail, claiming to have heard sounds and possibly witnessed the murders. His known mental illness made authorities question whether he knew the details because uh, because of having committed the murders or if he was imagining his account. So maybe they were like, you have an active imagination. You're just making shit up. Because, uh, I mean, there was no witnesses to any of this. So you could make up literally whatever you want to about murdering these people, and it people could be, be true. Like, that sounds right to exactly. me. Exactly. Uh, so then in 1914, two years after the murders, Kelly was arrested for sending obscene material through the mail. Uh, he was sexually harassing a woman who applied for a job as his secretary. Uh, he was sent to St. Elizabeth's Hospital, the National Mental Hospital in Washington, D.C. Investigators speculated again that Kelly could be the murderer of the Moore family. In 1917, Kelly was arrested for the Velisca murders. Police obtained a confession from him. However, it followed many hours of interrogation, and Kelly later recanted. After two separate trials, he was acquitted. Oh, good. So then we have our next suspect, Frank F. Jones. We have Frank Fernando Jones. He was a Velisca resident and an Iowa State senator. Surprise! So Josiah Moore had worked for Frank Jones at his implement store for many years before leaving to open his own store. Moore reportedly took business away from Jones, including a very successful John Deere dealership. So this was before, this was like right when John Deere was like becoming something. Um, got an engine in this thing. Let's get that tractor going. Uh, so Moore was rumored to have, excuse me, rumored to have an affair with Jones's daughter-in-law, though there's no actual evidence that supports this. Uh, which then leads to our fourth suspect, William Mansfield. The other, there's another theory that Senator Jones hired William Blackie Mansfield to murder... Mm. I know, I don't like that term either, but that's, that's, that was what we got here. Um, that's, that was his name. <laughs> I don't know if I... I'll, I'll Go ahead and change that, bud. Yes. Um, to murder the Moore family. Uh, it is believed that Mansfield was a serial killer because he murdered his wife, infant, infant child, and parents-in-law with an axe two years later after the Velisca crimes. He is... What? A different murder with an axe. Exactly. Mm. What? That's why they think he was a serial killer. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> What a coincidence. Yeah, exactly. Uh, he, he is believed to have committed the axe murders in Paola, Kansas, 
four days before the Velisca crimes as well, which they were axe murders. I just said axe murders, yeah. Uh, he was also a su suspected in a double homicide of Jenny Patter Peterson and Jenny Miller in Illinois. Uh, each crime site was accessible by train, and all murders were carried out in, the vir in virtually the same manner. The murders in Colorado Springs were also, or there, there are murders in Colorado Springs that were also closely related in execution to those in the Moore House. What? That's pretty far away, though. Colorado Springs? It, it's all accessible by train. Yeah. Mm. Uh, so nine months before the Velisca murders, H.C. Wayne, his wife and child, and Mrs. A.J. Burnham were found dead in Colorado Springs, murdered with an axe slash axes. Uh, the Colorado Springs police found it difficult to believe that the same person could perpetrate a similar crime in a city. So they didn't believe serial killers were a real thing. Um, <laughs> at, Honey. Yeah. So as in the Velisca murders, the bed sheets were used to cover the windows to prevent passerbys from looking in. At the Moore house, the murderer had hung aprons and skirts to cover the windows. As in the murders in Villisca, the murderer in Colorado Springs wiped the blood off his axe and covered the heads of the victims with bedcloths to prevent splatter. Um, Mansfield... Bed what? Bedcloths. So oh, bed, bed sheets, yeah. Mm -hmm. Sheets clothes. and... Sheets, yeah. Blankets. Uh, Mansfield was also the prime suspect of the Burns Detective Agency for Kansas City and the detective James Newton Wilkerson, who suggested that he was a cocaine-addicted serial killer. Same. He was just drinking coke. <laughs> <laughs> he's got a really he's got a penchant for those soft drinks yes yeah. uh, so according to com contemporary news reports wilkerson believed mansfield was responsible for the axe murders of his wife infant child father-in-law and mother-in-law in blue island illinois on july 5th of 1914 two years after the Velisca murders and the axe murders committed in paola kansas four days before the Velisca murders and the murders of jenny patterson and jenny miller in aurora illinois he did. He did those. Uh, so according to Wilkerson's investigation, all of the murders were committed in precisely the same manner, indicating that the same man probably committed them. Wilkerson stated that he could prove that Manfield was present in each of the different crime scenes on the night of the murders. In each murder, the victims were hacked to death with an axe and the mirrors in the homes were covered. Mirrors and windows. Um, a burning lamp with the chimney off, I don't know what that means, was left at the foot of the bed and a basin in which the murders... Uh, murder washed was found in the kitchen. So basically he washed himself in every single person's house. Like after he committed, he was like, I got blood on me. It's clean up. Um, in each, it's your blood. Keep yeah. it in your house. I, I don't like that. Get it off me. Yucky. Uh, in each case, the murderer avoided leaving fingerprints by wearing gloves, which Wilkerson believed was strong evidence that the man in Mansfield or the man was Mansfield. Uh, who knew his fingerprints were on file at the federal military prison in Leavenworth. So he had already been arrested previously for something. Um, and so he was like, they already got my fingerprints. I can't leave fingerprints anywhere. So he like made sure not to leave any fingerprints. He was wearing gloves. Uh, so Wilkerson managed to convince a grand jury uh, to open investigation in 1916, and Mansfield was arrested and brought to Montgomery County from Kansas City. Uh, payroll records, however, provided an alibi that placed Mansfield in Illinois at the time of the Velisca murders. Uh, he was released for lack of evidence and later won a lawsuit that he brought against the investigator, Wilkerson, um, and was awarded $2,225, which amounts to $52,900 today. 
Uh, Wilkerson believed that pressure from Senator Jones resulted not only in Mansfield's release, but also in the subsequent arrest and trial of Reverend Kelly. So basically, Senator Jones was like, uh, you're a judge and I'm the senator of Iowa. You're a judge in this tiny-ass county and I'm the senator of Iowa. Let this man go and blame this pervy reverend <laughs> instead. Um so, however, R.H. Thorpe, a restaurant owner from Shenandoah, Iowa, identified Mansfield as the man he saw the morning after the Velisca murders boarding a train in Clarinda, Iowa. This man said he had walked from Velisca. If proven to be true, this testimony would disprove Mansfield's alibi. So someone planted a payroll record somewhere that Mansfield was in a different, in Illinois and wasn't actually in uh, Villisca. Uh, furthermore, it was reported that Mrs. Vina Tompkins of Marshalltown was on her way to testify that she heard three men in the woods plotting the murder of the Moore family a short time before the killing. So she heard these people that, that were plotting this and didn't recognize any of them or no, I guess there was no TV, so you didn't really know who your senator was. Um, I mean, I mean, newspaper. I don't know. I wouldn't be like, there he is. There's a senator. So that's why I was like, ooh, maybe the senator's on the train with this guy after just like getting an alibi in a different city and was like, go kill this person. Um, so then there was other murder murders. Murders reported as possibly being linked to these crimes include crimes. Yeah, include <laughs> the numerous unsolved axe murders along the Southern Pacific Railroad from 1911 to 1912. The unsolved Axeman murders in New Orleans, huh. callback, huh. as well as several other such murders during this time period. I was even thinking about the Clementine Barnabet murders. Mm. Yeah. Because this was in the same time frame, because that was, what, 1909 to, like, 1912 that she was killing people? So I was like, did did she get blamed for this just because she was black, or did she actually do it? But I think she actually did it. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like... Because she was just in Beaumont. Somebody just gets on a train and is like, I'm going to go across country on a murdering spree. Well, we've talked about this multiple times in this podcast where you, you can just... just go to ju a different city and be like, I'm a different my person. name is Barnabet Exactly. Now. I'm a different person. Exactly. Um, yeah. So then we have... What's your social security number? We don't we have don't those have the, yet. Yeah. Well, I don't know what that is. Uh, so then we go to another suspect, number five, uh, Henry Lee Moore, who is unrelated to the Moore family. Uh, Henry Lee Moore was a suspected serial killer who was not related to the slain Moore family, I said that, uh, who was convicted of the murder of his mother and his grandmother several months after the murders in Villisca, his weapon of choice being uh, an axe. Um, before and after the murders in Villisca, the very similar axe murders... Uh, on his mother and grandmother were committed, uh, and all the cases showed striking similarities, leading to strong suspicion to some, um, or I'm sorry, that some or all of the crimes were committed by an axe-murdering serial killer, and just like uh, Mansfield, the axe-murdering Henry Moore can also be considered a suspect in some of these slangs. So, basically, he also killed people with an axe, uh, so maybe it was him. Um... So then we go to our sixth suspect, <laughs> Sam Moyer. Uh, at the inquest, it was reported that Sam Moyer, who was Josiah's brother-in-law, thank you, uh, often threatened to kill Josiah Moore. However, upon further investigation, Moyer's alibi cleared him of the crime. So it was what we were talking about earlier whenever you were like, uh, or we were all talking together, um, that you were like, oh, well, you know, just saying like, oh, I'm going to kill him makes you, makes you guilty or whatever. Uh, well, 
Sam Moyer got accused of it just because he was telling people that uh, he was going to kill his brother-in-law. And so, um, yeah. So that's the thing. <laughs> it, it can really happen. Um, so then we go to our next suspect. Uh, or, well, Shit. kind of our last. No, it is our last suspect. Uh, we six people? Seven. Seven, seven suspects. People? Seven suspects. Um, now we go to... Just figure it out. Yeah. We go to Paul Mueller. Um, so, Mueller. Mueller, yeah. Uh, if, Mueller. If you are not German. Mueller. 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 Uh, so in 2017, this is a full 105 years after these murders were committed, uh, there was a book called The Man from the Train, published by, or published by someone, but the authors were uh, Jim, Jim James and his daughter, Rachel McCarthy James. Uh, they discussed the Velisca murders as part of a much larger series of murders that they believe were committed by a single serial killer. They conclude that the murderer was Paul Mueller, um, or Miller, uh, an immigrant possibly from Germany who was a suspect of a of an unsuccessful year-long manhunt as the sole suspect in the 1897 murder of a family in West Brookfield, Massachusetts, who had employed him as a farmhand. James started his research in an attempt to solve the Velisca murders. Why would you start research on 105-year-old murders? Like, I, that seems like you're not really going to get much of anywhere. Uh, but... I you never know you never know um and with his daughter found archival uh newspapers stories detailing dozens of families murdered under similar similar conditions across the united states the jameses thus believe that the that Mueller was guilty of the Velisca murders as part of a killing spree that lasted over a decade killing at least 59 people in 14 separate incidents including the colorado springs and paola kansas crimes uh, the Jameses identify common features to these crimes, many of which were also found at the Velisca scene. The killer selected families who lived near railroad tracks, hence the book's title, seemingly struck in, in ambush at about midnight while the victims were asleep, used the blunt side of an axe rather than the blade to strike the victims in the head and face, used an axe found at the victim's home and left in plain sight after the murders, covered the victims with blankets to prevent blood splatter, covered the windows from the inside of the house, and locked the doors before departure. In Müller's suspected crimes, there was often not always a sexual motive directed towards a pubescent girl, as with Lena's being partly disrobed. Um, there was, I'm sorry, there was often, but not always. That's what I'm, did I say that? I meant to emphasize that. Um, so then in a blurb on the dust jacket of the hardcover edition of The Man from the Train, professor and crime writer Harold she Schechter um, writes that the Jameses offer the most probable solution yet for the Velisca murders. So I'm sure their book probably goes into much more detail about why they were like all these different people um, were part of the same like axe murder kind of thing, but that they there's the idea that they... they um, that they this was the most probable thing. I really think the most probable one was uh, what's his face? The, the man Mansfield hired by the senator. Yeah, like that one has some great like <laughs> great reasons to to try and kill someone in the in a small town in the middle of Iowa. If you have two competing businesses, would you not want to kill your biz the other person? Like absolutely, absolutely. Like get the fuck out of my town. You're stealing all my shit, especially since you just stole 
a John Deere contract for me. Like I needed to get some, some I need to get rich off of this. Okay. Okay. Uh, so the Velisca murders uh, are used in a number of pop culture references, ranging from podcasts such as Last Podcast on the Left, <gasps> uh, and This Is Why We Drink, and My Favorite Murder. <laughs> they actually did a live show in uh, Des Moines. So they did a live show in Des Moines, and they did Velisca. I think I might have heard that then, and they yeah. did it with another podcast. I don't know. I didn't say, um, but they they did they did a, a live show there. Uh, so shows such, and they also, there's also shows uh, such as Ghost Adventures and The Most Terrifying Places in America. And there was another one, but I had never heard of it. Um, but they all go and like stay in the Velisca house because it's, you know, the, back in the day, we've, we, I've done a bunch of, of research of houses back in the like early 1900s where this shit happened. And they always end up being like carnivals essentially everyone's like mm-hmm. oh well here come look at the side show which I, that was like ed ed gein as well that it became like a, a thing there's like oh let's sell off all his crazy ass shit you know i got a part of a brick of his house yeah exactly so uh yeah that was the, the velisca murders um i thought that was going to be um much less than this because i'm back on my site that i was going through the uh worst murders in uh, 50 states and I saw the Iowa one. I was like, oh, let's go ahead and look at that. That's kind of cool. Um, and yeah, that was not, that was a, that was a, a doozy. Lot. That was a doozy, yeah. So that was fun. Because each of them gives such a like little blurb that's like, oh, so-and-so fell under investigation, but we don't have like an actual answer yet. Like blah, blah, blah. And so, Perhaps. Yeah. Uh, so I'm like, oh, that was only four sentences that you used to summarize that. How the fuck do you summarize that in four sentences? That was a <laughs> lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Let me summarize the Manson murders in yeah, four sentences. Exactly. Uh, and Crazy this, kids went to a house. And some of these murders, I was expecting like serial killers and you know crimes like that. Some of these things are like Sandy Hook shootings, and we've already decided Ooh, that we're no, not no, doing no. that. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, that's so I'm like, okay, these are not. I mean, they are murders, obviously, but like these are not the the murders that that I'm looking for. You know. <laughs> These are not the murders that do it for Yeah, me. like Arizona was Jody Arias, obviously. Oh, uh, that was a good I one. I did Alaska already, Robert Hansen. Um, Alabama was the uh, 16th Street Baptist Church bombing, but we're, I'm not going to do that. That was a terrorist attack. Mm-hmm. We're not doing terrorist attacks. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm going through these things and looking at these things. I'm like, oh, wow. And California's Golden State Killer, uh, Kansas BTK. So those are things that are coming up for our... 75th, 75th anniversary yes. episode. But also for the month of October, our spoopy month. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to add something to the list. <gasps> Ooh, uh, let's do that. Are we going to do it on the podcast now? Sure, we'll just tease it a little bit. Just a little bit, yeah. What are you What are you thinking? J.C. Dugard. I don't know who that is. I don't know how to spell that either. She- J-A-Y-C-E space D-U-G-G-A-R-D. D-U-G-G. A-R-D. Okay. A very uh, prominent case of Stockholm Syndrome. Ooh. Child. Anyway. Anyways. Oh, and also... Because um, we've teased BTK. We've teased uh, JC uh, Dugard now. We've teased um, uh, Golden State Killer. We've got some good uh, good things in our lineup here. Okur, okur. Uh, also, the Turpin case. The very recent, Hunty. Very recent. Guess a year. Uh, 2019. 2018. Ooh! Very that was like close. me doing uh, uh, Flordelis. I have not found... Flordelis. Flordelis. So I've... 
have been told multiple times that her name is pronounced Fleur Delis, not Fleur Delis. Who says? Because she's not French. It's not Fleur Delis, like the what is little it, like thing. Bacalis. It's Fleur Delis. Bacalis. No. That's Cardi B's real name. I don't care. Bacalis. <laughs> Bacalis. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that was my, uh, my cra- oh, and then, of course, Florida was uh, the murder of Kaylee Marie Anthony. Um, yeah. Yeah, classic. Uh, I did Hawaii, Honolulu Strangler. Uh, I was going to do Joseph E. Duncan from Idaho. Have you ever heard of him? But that one's a lot. <laughs> uh, he's doing he, a lot he's of also scary. So maybe I'll just do him next week. He looks like a a mannequin. He looks creepy, he looks right? Great. Okay. This is the Turpin family. I'm scared. Oh, that's a lot. Your vagina is not a clown car. <laughs> Yeah, obviously. <laughs> I can't say that. That's mean. <laughs> to anyone who has a lot of children, good luck. <laughs> <laughs> anyone who has a lot of children, um, okay. Okay. <laughs> Just, okay. That's all we got. <laughs> that's the final um, answer. Good Good work. Good Good job. You did it. You had Congratulations children? on all the sex. I just, I'm still so confused by Cody texting. I haven't answered him yet about him. Asking about Lady Gaga's song. Bitch, you know I'm gay. Of course I've heard Lady... I heard the song that it when it came out, like minutes after it came out. <laughs> like midnight. midnight. That midnight, I was like, yep. Guess who luck. else did? Me too. Exactly. I was like, we have to listen to the whole album right now. Yeah, yes, exactly. Exactly. Stupid Love came out before the album. But anyways. Yes, yes. No, I'm, I guess I'm talking about the album. Yeah, but also the album. I was like, we can listen to like one. One album? One song. No, entire album. You had to watch it. I'm on Thomas' side. I agree. Oh. <laughs> That's how you do it. When you have to stand someone, you stand hard, okay? Uh, yeah, but when Carly Rae Jepsen's album came out, nobody was trying to be up for that, huh? I actually did not n- know. Well, uh, I knew who Carly Rae Jepsen was, obviously, from her Call Me Maybe song, which is arguably not my favorite song from any of her anythings. Carly Rae Jepsen's Call Me Maybe is probably the worst song that she's I know, made. and I'm like, okay, this is the only single that you got put out, because I've heard your albums, and they're they're lit. Higher. Yeah, they're lit. Um, but also, like, I hadn't, like... I She's had I, singles since then. Runaway, Runaway With Me was one of well, the Well, yeah, ones. but, like, uh, Call Me Maybe came out in, what, 2011, and then, like, nothing came out in... Nothing, I didn't hear anything else again until like 2018. You know what Call Me Maybe was? What? Her third album. That's... Poor thing. <laughs> but I mean, you look at Lizzo. Lizzo released all of her albums and then didn't become popular until what, 2018? Mm-hmm. So... Also, what's Lizzo doing? Uh, what do you mean? Girl, you got quarantine. Can, well, can you provide us with something? Please? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I was like, I don't know what, where you're going with us. I would, um, li- I would like to see she, something. She provided us with that TikTok, or not TikTok, but that video of her shaking her salad. Have you seen that? No. That makes me laugh. Uh, she, like, there, there's, like, people who are taking her video of her doing stupid, doing, shaking a salad. So basically, she got the salad in this, like, big old plastic thing. It's a TikTok And she's like, ta- yeah. Well, I, I don't know if it was a TikTok that she did, but I've been seeing a lot of TikTok of, like, them... And they're like me trying to talk to a customer service employee. Um, oh, where it's their face on top and her body on bottom. Well, it's or two something. split screens. Yeah. And then so like it's her video and then them and then they're it's like, ma'am, ma'am, I need to do. And then she's like, like pouring things on her salad and just like looking up, just like at nothing. And they're like, I need to do this. And she like starts shaking her salad. 
and they're like, oh, okay, I'll wait. And they're like, oh, okay, well then, and then she stops, and they're like, oh, and then she starts shaking again. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's really funny. Uh, but I like the video of it. And then there was one, of course, because we all heard about the, the Trump boats fl- uh, sinking at Lake Travis, and we have to laugh. Um, but Thomas there was, was like, like, we don't wish anybody to die. I was like, no, nobody died. Nobody died. So we're okay with laughing. So I'm all right to look at the boat at the <laughs> bottom of the lake. Exactly. Um, so I'm okay with looking at that boat with the flags. It's just like. <laughs> somebody was like, somebody who was a boater mm-hmm. was like, this is a very comical expression of what Trump voters are like. Because every boat owner knows, every large boat owner knows to be careful of your wake. Mm-hmm. If there's small boats around, your wake could capsize. They literally could not give a shit. Oh, another person's boat. But obviously, they don't give a shit about anybody else. No. So... They don't give a shit about the poorer people. So, oh, because I saw one that was like, uh, <laughs> the bigger boats uh, were the ones that caused the massive amount of wake in the, the water because it was so many boots, boats that showed up. Boots. boots uh, so many boats that showed Maybe up. Canadian? That they were like, oh, well, the... the, the yeah, exactly. But suddenly, I watched Canada's driver, so I turned Canadian. Um, so that all the bigger boats, it's like, so basically, you're telling me that the people, the richer people were the ones who threatened the poor people and they were okay with that (laughs) oh wow (laughs) and nobody was poor no you own a boat you own a boat but still like you are poorer than the rich people who had a boat that was causing that much weight yep so uh yeah uh i thought that was funny but also the back to lizzo (laughs) thing there was one of her that was like um uh poseidon looking at the trump vote parade and it's her just like shaking the the salad thing so i'm like oh wow this is great my favorite thing from lizzo in in the quarantine has been her getting on uh go-karts or vehicles that are driving away from the camera and her saying bye bitch bye bitch (laughs) (laughs) but see that's not from quarantine that is just a compilation of all of her Everything. <laughs> but I've watched it a couple times. I've watched it more than a hundred times. Yeah, I was like, oh, a couple hundred. <laughs> okay. I've watched it quite a lot. You know what else I know a lot about? What? Tell me about it. Economy works! Boop, 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 boop. Hey, are you a small business owner trying to do it all? Take marketing, for example. Nowadays, your business has to have a Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn account. Who has time to take pictures, write posts, and get them all posted online, let alone like, comment, share, and respond to followers? Don't worry. Economy Works is here to help. Let the Economy Works Talent Network help you do marketing so you can grow your business. Economy Works. When we work, the economy works! Find out more at economyworks.com. That's E-C-O-N-O-M-I-W-O-R-K-S.com. Economy Works. Yum! You know that we always love to give our sister shout-out, uh, or I'm sorry, sister podcast a shout-out. Just combined it all together. Sister podcast. Sister a shout-out. Sitters. Hey, Laura, and your sister's name is... Desiree. Desiree. Hey, girls. Hey girls. How you guys up? doing? Uh, but also our sister podcast. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's talk, talk about, about gay stuff. stuff. Uh, they are the queens and queers that give us all of the yesterday's history in today's gay nows. Yes. Um, Think of them as like... Um, like like a like a sixty year old woman with like big glasses at the library who can tell you anything. But also they're like thirty somethings that will tell you uh, exactly what you're looking for. Except Tony. Yeah, he's fifty. Really? I don't know. <laughs> oh, I thought we were just at his seventieth birthday party. Oh. Yeah. Anyways, they could tell you anything <laughs> about gay stuff. Yes. You want to know about? 
uh, leaders, about uh, our idols, about important events in our history. The as ones LGBTQ that have people. brought us to where we are in the forefront of the gay rights movement. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You can always learn about them at letstalkaboutgaystuff.com. Or take a listen. Let's talk about gay stuff podcast. Let's talk about gay stuff on Instagram and Twitter, Facebook, and talk gay stuff on Twitter. Want to send no. them an email? No. You they can send them an email. They can send them an email, but they can't do another thing. Drop the line. No. <laughs> Drop a line at let's talk about gay stuff at gmail.com. Uh, but also, I'd love to just talk, since we talked about Ru RuPaul's Drag Race and Canada's Drag Race and just Drag Race in general, we at the beginning, the children. we have to feed the children because we have been, been fed by Drag Race this entire quarantine. 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 Um, so we like to give back as well. Uh, so our friends over at Our Rupee Podcast. It's also ourselves. us. We're friends with ourselves. Hey, it's crazy. you should hear the conversations I have with myself. It's just... <laughs> Oh Lots of just chicken noises. <laughs> it's true. Um, so our review podcast, if you want to listen to us doing chicken noises together, uh, we talk about all of the drags and all the drag stuff that's going on. And we just finished Canada's Drag Race and we were about to start Holland's Drag Race. Uh, so next week we will talk about our mm -hmm. opinions on the premiere look and then get started. I'm carving my wooden shoes right now, um, and I have some tulips on order. I'm ready for some polka. Uh, what else do they do? Uh, Scroop waffle. Hookers in the red district. Red, that's We're hiring in hookers. Amsterdam. Um, yeah. Um, what else? Just, I think that's it. Uh, they have an airline, Holland Air, I think is what it's called. So that's also good. Um, Strusel. I think that's German. Um, dykes like the, the like excuse no, me no like the like a levy a dam a yes. dam yep yes. okay yep D Y K windmills windmills <laughs> tulips again let's go back to tulips uh, what you can't say that tulips <laughs> tulips tulips. <laughs> Wooden shoes. <laughs> River dancing? <laughs> Do you... No, okay, there was no ill intent there, and everybody knows it. No. You're I just a just, fucking idiot. I was just so shocked, because I was like, what? <laughs> you can't say that. Listen, I've watched a lot of videos of how they expanded their farmland by closing off rivers. By using dikes. Mm -hmm. yes. It's a real term, you're right. <laughs> but it was just a lot. <laughs> okay. Because you just said it so matter-of-factly. Especially just talking about the red light district. And I was like, ma'am. <laughs> Lesbianism? <laughs> they got a lot of lesbianism there. It was just so like... Whoa. <laughs> okay. Uh, yes, it's very true. You just snorted a line of ants. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. Okay, we're good. <laughs> we did it. Uh, that's our podcast. That's our podcast. That's the end. We should probably tell you to get, get spooky with, with it. it. <laughs> <laughs>